0: Hey guys, Charlotte from Youngbloods here for our episode of Lessons in Hindsight, advice from big dogs on how to be little dogs. Today, you'll hear an interview with Jake Ford, Head of Activation at Traffic Group, where we talk about mental health in advertising, growing from failures, and the skills you need to go from AE to AD. So let's get into it.
1: How you doing? Actually, it's probably a nice, like, um, it's probably like a nice start of like a, a struggler that's pretending in in his life and and also <laughs> fumbles his way through the beginning of readings. How are you?
0: Yeah, good. Can see your face there. I know it's been a while. Just living wild. the dream in ISO. Yeah. I bought a hey, tree how's into it? the office. I
1: say that is prominent. That is prominent. That tree. So, well, are you in the office, or are you at home? Oh,
0: well, this is like my home office situation.
1: Home office. I but, mean, silly question. Though.
0: Yeah, it's looking very, like, sad and white. So I brought a tree up to try and make it look fun. Yeah, um, yeah nice so. one. How are you finding ISO?
1: Um, it's probably fractionally different in Melbourne, I guess, to what you're doing up there. Um, yeah, look, I, I found the f- I, like, pros and cons. I think everyone's a bit the same. Like some stuff that I like about it, and there's some stuff that, like, I'm over. Um, like, I've actually found myself more efficient. In isolate, like in ISO, but then I've all, and in some ways, like in terms of my actual deep work, but then so inefficient in terms of everything needs a fucking meeting. And every, like, you know, in that many 30 minute meetings, it's ridiculous. So, um, yeah. So, like, some, like, literally my day is like 8 30 till 5 30 in back to back 30 minute meetings. And then up at like, up early, try and go to the gym and then get two hours of solid work done before everyone wakes up. And then two hours of work done at night when everyone goes again. But so, you know, it's an interesting, Interesting adaption. And then I think it's just also very interesting from a mental health perspective with everyone. Like, um, I, I've, I've been okay, but I just think I've seen lots of people, um, like, even in my team, just like you see just a roller coaster from certain people. And, and I feel really bad for people who are in like not good, like home situations. I um, think like that's really come to the fore that we've seen in our like group and stuff. Like, there's been lots of people you just would never know that are, you know, living in like a share house with like someone who's horrific. And, like, it just naturally affects them so much because you've got nowhere to go from it. But, well, yeah, it's pretty crazy. How are you? How, how have you found it?
0: Um, Actually, okay. I think because work has been so hectic, it's taken up mm. a huge amount of my time. And then I think the worst part has been, like, obviously dancing and gym and all of that has been cancelled. Yeah. So I've kind of mm. lost that, like, social element, which I think has been the hardest. Yeah. But... yeah. Like if anything, work has taken off, like I'm doing Youngbloods now, so everything is Youngblood central. Um, so that's well kind of been good. And then we've got this little that's passion good. project that we're working on. So yeah, yeah I guess cool. it's good for young people in advertising because they get this fun content,
1: but- Well, and look at you going, what, <laughs> what, a, what a fantastic link. I must say before you before we jump into it, the um, like I, I actually had like a massive – I needed like two or three days off like two weeks ago because I just like hit a massive wall. We did like six back-to-back weeks. We did like nine pitches in six weeks. Of the wild. So I just like okay. took some time off. But yeah. exactly the same thing that you said, which is like I just lost – when you lose gym, I like stop meditating, um, it was just work. And then when you've just got work in your home, I've like never really broken before, but I felt like it's probably as close as I've come to just going like, I need to fucking stop. Totally. Because it's all you've got is work. You know what I mean?
0: And I think as well, being on like Zoom calls or team calls all the time, you're more on because you're in like, this is like your private kind of space and you want to mm. kind of have the best version of yourself because you're like, yeah. and you have to be on constantly. Whereas when you're in a normal meeting, you can kind of like zone out a little bit and that's fine.
1: Whereas you're like, right,
0: yeah. in this like Zoom world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's true. It's true. You're you're at your front and center. Like I can see your face. If you start if you start looking up to the left, I'm like, stop looking at yourself, Charlotte. Look <laughs> at me.
0: <laughs> well, my questions are on the screen behind.
1: This, yeah. so yeah.
0: that's what it might be. <laughs> <laughs> I guess just you're obviously very young in the position that you're in, just full things and I guess moments yep. like before you're just saying I've never broken before. But are there yep. things that you've realized and you're like, if I knew this five years ago, it would completely change yep. the way that yep. I'm acting. Obviously, you're like doing real good for yourself, but as a, like...
1: The facade is mean, the facade I put out, yeah It's the facade I put out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Okay, how do, like, I think as well, that's really interesting. Like, how do you keep that facade and keep that confidence? Okay, I'm already going off questions, but this is fine.
1: No, 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 it's
0: okay. <laughs> In like an accounts role, you have to be so confident and not let the planners and all of the junior people under you and all the creatives know that everything's going to be fine? How do you become that rock, I guess?
1: <laughs> I, I want to assume we're starting here, right? Yeah, let's go. Um, <laughs> we're getting
0: deep.
1: I mean, sorry, no, I mean, thanks for starting with like a couple of easy questions at the top. Um, I wish, I, I <laughs> um, I wish that. there was some- one answer to that. I, oh, no, go, go, go. No, 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 no it's you fine. Want I'm, some- I'm happy to talk to them
0: quick fire ones to start off with? Yeah, let's start
1: there. That's fine. That's okay. fine. I think we've ruined if you wanted a real clean start to this. We might need some work <laughs> in the post. But um, I think, um, no, I think that that's a, it's a, there's no answer. And I think yeah, there's no one answer because I think everybody has to learn how to deal with that in their own way. And I think um, there is lots of, de- I look at all the senior heads of accounts through that I deal with day to day and they're all such different people in suit in their own different ways that you've got to have pretty reasonable self-awareness to know how to kind of be the calm in the middle of the storm. Um, and I think uh, how I do it would be very different to probably seven or eight or nine people that I work with every day who I would, you know, call a peer. Um, and I think you, you spending time getting to know yourself and know how to not panic or get overly emotional or, think things, or take things personally, which are very common mistakes that people make um, and I've made and will continue to make, um, I think it's something that only comes with experience, which is an annoying thing to hear as a young person because it's the worst thing ever. It's like, well, I can't do that. But it, it, I think you can draw from learning from other people's mistakes and getting to know yourself better. And you will naturally um, improve that like it's a skill. It's not just something you've got or you haven't got. It's a skill you have to train and work and be aware of. Um, and I think I certainly am not always the canvas one in the room or always the rock you previously described. But um, I think... Um, that's probably the one thing. And then probably the kind of more like, you know, headline answer is like, it's just advertising at the end of the day. Like there is some serious shit that's going on in the world and you know, no more present than now not to bring COVID into the first answer. But, um, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's marketing and it's advertising yeah. and like some, yeah, sometimes we lose focus on that. Um, and it is our world, but it's not the world. So, um, I think perspective is also very important.
0: Let's talk about your journey to get to this point. How did you get to where you are? Were you always like, I love advertising since you just saw an ad and you were like, I want to make that. How did it all
1: begin? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't probably have that story where I saw like a smoking ad when I was four and then always thought I'd want to be in (laughs) advertising. Um, (laughs) It's probably not the story. It's probably like a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a unique way in. I um, left school, did a business course at Monash, and I remember me and who the person who's now who now become my best man. We um met at uni, sat there and went shit. We need to do electives. Like didn't have any real idea what you know what we wanted to do in the business course, and then we ticked management because if you're going to be any you're going to have to manage people, so that made sense. And then we were like God, what like what other thing do you want to do? And we literally were sitting there like spin the wheel like HR, marketing, and then funnily enough, the thing that and testament to Ankeo um, at monkeys um the thing I'm like oh that big ad I love the ad that Carlton Draft did where like Amazing. it's our big ad yeah I'm like probably my favorite ad of all time and um that popped up and it just in my head I'm like actually marketing could be heaps of fun let's yeah. do marketing like I love that if, I, if there was a day where I could be involved in a beer company doing <laughs> marketing that sounds right That's up my great. alley so, so we ticked the marketing box um fast forward about like two years got a gig Um, through my dad was working in a catering company and the guy who owned this like run of a mill catering company was named dragon. Um, dragon was an ops manager at a media company. I got a, um, he offered me a, what at the time I thought was a beautiful pat of the ego as the Victorian sales manager of this like (laughs) media company. And I'm like, how good does that sound on the resume? Um, walked in there and it was like three people in this dingy office. And it turns out the media that I was selling was the back of toilet door media. Still very important, of course. A fantastic channel, um, and uh, TLC. Shout out to them for giving me my start. Um, but basically, I didn't realize that I was cold calling off a three-year-old database of media agency co- contacts to try and get them to shift media spend into toilet door advertising. Um, which now, is a bit of a reflection, I'm like, like the turnover rate in media agencies, particularly account executives and account managers, meant that none of them were, you know, none of them were actually this right contact. So very good lesson in humility. Um, And I certainly treat people who cold call now very differently than maybe others would. Um, But I, I, it worked because I ended up calling uh, traffic, which is where now I work and tried to sell them into a sampling campaign, which I definitely wouldn't have been able to pull off if they actually bought it um, in hindsight. Um, And basically got offered by the account manager, Tim um, at the time, who's another, another good friend of mine um, basically said, you can continue selling toilet doors after a year of doing it or, I'm building a beer truck that's going to Splendour in the Grass in like six six months. What do you reckon? And I'm like, I, I don't think I, think I was in the seat before I hung the phone up uh, to go and work and build a beer truck. So funnily enough, the beer truck was Carlton Dry. So obviously not Carlton Draft because that would be the perfect symmetry of the story. Um, that would be just be too good though. Um, it's not a movie for God's sake. It's just an interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and yeah, basically fast forward six months, I was literally standing on top of the beer truck that we built at Splendour in the Grass. Um, and was working at traffic, which is pretty cool. So, um, and then I guess we'll probably get into it a bit deeper, but yeah, I've I've been at traffic ever since. So I'm I'm kind of one of the rare stories where I haven't jumped around. I've kind of stayed at traffic and um, I guess over the last sort of, I think I've been there now for seven years. um, I've gone from being this snotty nosed uh, can executive that came in and, you know, set up, I remember setting up my folders on the desk and just had no idea about marketing life, really. And I wrote... I had a folder for, like, um, presentations. And I had a folder for WHIPs. And I spelled it W-H-I-P. Beautiful. Um, which was very cute. Um, so I got shit for that, flat out. Um, I hope I can swear on this. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, the rest is history.
0: That's going to be the little snippet for the podcast. Is I spelled WHIPs, W-H-I-P. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send it to <laughs> everyone you've ever met. So when... You obviously didn't exactly find something you loved cold calling people, but what was it when you were at traffic or an experience that you had that you were like, "Fuck, I love this." Like yeah. What's, yeah, it was became the reason that you like get out of bed? I
1: think I probably got hooked, and I got hooked in particular to experiential marketing because I worked my absolute ringer off getting that truck built, and it was looking back, an incredibly stressful and loose process. And um, like I got to stand on top of that truck at Splendour in the Grass and watch everybody behave and enjoy what we made in kind of the way we wanted them to. And um, not only was that um, a really cool story to tell my mates that I went to Splendour in the Grass for work, um, which at the time got me plenty of uh, brownie points. <laughs> um, I also, I think I intrinsically got a lot from, yeah, seeing people um, actively engage with what you were doing, which... Um, to be fair, I've, I've, you know, I've done, you know, worked at roles into social and outdoor and things like that. And you just, I, I just never got the same gratification from that as I did physically seeing people, um, yeah, like um, engage with the work. And I think what happened from that point onwards was I was in a very experientially, almost a producer role to begin with. Um, and I just got reinforced time and time again, how awesome it is when that feeling happens. And I kind of just got hooked onto that um so yeah I think I was pretty fortunate to kind of the first job was a real big job and a really exciting job and it probably spoke to me as a you know 22 year old male uh, quite well yeah. Um, and yeah just got, got hooked on the drug then so I think that I, and even now I just like one of my favorite things to do is be at a bump in and then stand there in the middle of an experience of some sort um yeah. and yeah and see people enjoy it and be wowed by it.
0: Okay, on that note, what has been your favourite campaign that you've done? What's been, like, your favourite wow moment?
1: Look, it's always hard to beat the first. Um, that's probably broader in life as well. Um, I think I, I think the wow moments usually come off the back of – and it's, it's funny because, like, when you get there, that wow moment's fantastic, but the hard work to get there that nobody sees and that, you know, you put in together as a team to get to that point and to win the pitch, do the work yeah. – um, and and get to the other side as a team and you as a team you know the night before an experience or an event or you know even a campaign going live is always an interesting time in both agencies and clients alike um i think probably one of my favorite things was um we had a champagne at 11 o'clock in the morning after graham got announced and launched and probably the hardest slog of my life was um to be honest probably underperforming in my role and hanging on to the coattails of people like Matt Pierce and Steve, the Wolf and Evan Roberts and um, Sonia Bobbibra um, as they pulled off a world-class campaign. And I was there just hanging on by my fingernails, trying to build the box that Graham sat on and then tour him through museums afterwards. And to get that actually up successfully, and we didn't even know it was going to be successful at that time after we launched the PR and we sat at the front of the state library. Um, funnily enough, the state um the state library's cafe was able to serve a champagne at 11 o'clock in the morning we sat there and just went that is the hardest nine months of our lives and I think it was me um Naomi Gorringe and Matt Pierce and we sat there and just went let's see what happens with this and then yeah I think seeing that seeing the press react to that as they thought they would and then obviously the success afterwards was just euphoric As, as euphoric as again not trying to over dramatize it but as euphoric as marketing could be I think
0: Totally. It's one of the best campaigns Australia has probably ever done. I guess I want to kind of twist a little bit towards the less exciting sides of advertising. What is something mm-hmm. that either you hate about advertising or you think that when you're explaining your job to people you kind of don't talk about because it's not as glamorous?
1: There's probably, there's probably a couple of levels you can answer that question on. Um, and ultimately, it's important to caveat that I think it's overwhelmingly a positive place to, to work. And I think the people, it's always the people around you that make it amazing. Yeah. Um, probably the, the side of it that is less glamorous and less exciting and the thing that people don't talk about, particularly in the industry I work in, um, is that there is a... like phenomenally high mental health problem that is within the advertising agency and I don't think we've done well enough to foster a culture and maybe we're starting to see the green sprout shoot through of properly being able to um, not only just talk about it and accept it um, but also then build workplace environments and then policies and procedures that are systematic to properly support that um, and when you look at Advertising or marketing in general, we over-index. And then we over-index again when you look at experiential events, shop, and not so much, to a lesser extent, shop marketing. not to jump to the solution at, at all because it's about what's the, what's the less glamorous side. But I think that the, um, that side of it, we've got a way to go um, as an industry to make sure that not only do we foster the great people, uh, that, you know, we're proud of and want to work with and that sort of stuff, which will ultimately lead to better work. But I think just in general, at a human-to-human level, we can do a much better job of um, building systems and systematic ways to actually help people uh, do that. And I think uh, as businesses and as an industry, we get better at that. We'll all see the benefit of it. But, yeah, I I think that's a pretty dark side that only gets spoken about um, behind closed doors or after too many beers when the real truths come out.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, it's an industry that... you have to love what you do and you have to put 110% of your heart into it. Even when I was doing creative, you put like your baby on the line all the time. And when someone cuts that down, yeah. like no one teaches young creatives, I guess, how to like deal with that. And like you were saying yeah. earlier, how do you not take things personally? Like is there, is it, how do you kind of complementalize the feedback that you're getting?
1: um it's it's a very relevant question because we recently lost a pitch and we we went through that very thing like we loved the idea that we presented we thought it was home and hosed in the meeting we had all the right questions they loved they, they told us they loved the idea and we basically walked out of that and went and that was after we had to start again at you know at the tissue level so yep. start again at tissue and then turned it around for the final pitch in a week like it was basically gone at tissue and then we thought we'd won it in the presentation so we're like Roller coaster, top of the top of the mountain, um, and then clearly, as the story goes, we didn't actually end up winning it. And we, me and my ECD, David Martin, we sat there and we were just flabbergasted we didn't win it. And it was that very thing. It's kind of like, what's that balance of like you feel like you want to throw your life at it to get the best out of your work, but if it keep you, you're putting your whole world on the line, because then when it doesn't go ahead or someone doesn't agree that that's the best idea, it's like my whole ego and life and self-esteem goes with it, right? Um, and we kind of got to the end of it. And I think, again, unfor- like, it's not just experience, this. I think this comes with, again, a bit of self-management and self-awareness and a bit of um, finding things outside of work that also balance you and build your person to make sure that when one ball drops, your whole life doesn't drop. Yeah. Um, but I think we got to the end of it and we went, you've got to be surrounded by a team that you trust because you get to a point where you're like, do I even know what good marketing is anymore? But I think for mine, it basically just comes down to having the right people around you. And we kind of finished that whole process and went, if you trust the people around you and you can look each other in the eye and you, you like you agree that's great work and you're proud of what you put up, that's actually what's enough. Because sort of back to even the story I said about the team pulling something off, like your job is everyone's a cog in the wheel. And as the team pulls together to do work, you've got to be able to look at people around the around the circle and make sure that you know that you did the best you could. It's a little bit sappy as an answer, but it's I think it's actually true. I reckon that's actually the... Um, I, I personally, if I can look at Amado or the producer who went above and beyond in the eye and go, you know what, that's as good as we could have done. It just wasn't good enough today. Then we'll, we'll trudge off and get better for the next time. But your whole personality and self-esteem doesn't need to go down with that.
0: This is, we're going down the dark road now, but I'll pull you back out again. Yeah, go for it. Um, okay, what's cool. something that you failed at and what is a yeah. lesson that you've learnt from that failure or lessons?
1: If yeah. that's The good news is that, albeit you thought, you were taking me down a dark place. It's actually quite a funny story in hindsight, to be honest. Um, The most anxious and stressed and, like, um, uh, the darkest place I've been in, in my career, is of such a silly little thing that was a great lesson to me. Um, And we, I won't say the client, um, but we had a a storage um, facility that was holding a bunch of assets for a... um, first dead client Mm -hmm. and it was just one of those things it was just an annoying thing at the bottom of my list all the time um and i just never got it done and it was my responsibility to build that onto the client and then shut the storage unit down and it honestly sat there for months and it got i just got in my head about it and it was just that thing i wrote it down every morning and just never ticked it off and never did it and it was such an easy thing to do once we finally did it but it got into a point where we got like i think it was like 10 grand or 12 grand which at the time when you're a senior account executive and like you get the ceo gets involved um I ended up getting absolutely rained over the coals over it. And I'm so glad that at the time James and James and Tim did because it was such a fault of my character at the time that like that sort of stuff would just kind of go to the back pile and it wasn't the fun, sexy, exciting stuff, but that looking after the commercials and doing the ugly grunt work is so important. And I was neglecting that not, that was just one thing that I was probably neglecting at the time. And I got properly slapped in the face, not physically slapped in the face, but properly slapped in the face metaphorically yeah. um, with that lesson and how hard they came at me over that, that I was like, it completely changed the way I worked. And it like, I've, I even to today still hold lessons from the next day when I sat down and rethought about how I need to do my job. I still do things today that um, I have made decisions to do them right after that.
0: What is something that you've had to improve?
1: Um, yeah, well, I guess that would be one of them. The, um, like that kind of, I, I definitely had to learn in my first few years in the industry just generally how to multitask well, prioritise well. Uh, I wasn't good at that at all when I first began. I think um, I've been fortunate that I've been able to talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles for a while. So that kind of part of it came naturally, and I really enjoyed that part, the client side of stuff and creative side of stuff. But the actual financial um execution execution side of the job which is so important when that's your you know as a suit you're one of the only people that can really manage that yeah. um like that i needed to improve in dramatically and then by extension of that like the commercial acumen that needed to come to really kind of as as you get more senior like you've really got to understand how an agency runs and how it makes its money and how it loses money and i just had i just neglected that for the first you know part of my career and until i really grabbed that by the horns Um, you know, I I really didn't start, I really wasn't progressing at any rate, really. And how did
0: you learn how to do that? Were you just like talking to finance?
1: There's sort of a couple of chapters to, I guess, you know, my first couple of years, you know, as long as I've been in the industry. Um, and I was fortunate that there was a, a just an opportunistic moment in my career where the business I work for now, Traffic split in Melbourne into, it needed to separate offices and Clemenger absorbed some of the team and then I went across and started um, the team essentially from scratch again in Melbourne. Um, and I think that leapfrogged me from being um, essentially an account director who was running a couple of accounts um, to running Melbourne. Um, but what it did do was give me a ground base where finance in the commercial side of an agency is that it's most simple because there's only a couple of people that you're dealing with. Um, and then I was able to, as we grew, I was able to then apply those commer- that, that commercial side of the business to my very present and my everyday. So as we grew, how do you get, how do you actually justify, you know, how do you even track money to know that you can get another person involved in the business or how do I understand a job so well from start to finish that I know actually where our gap is as an agency and what we need or where we're light or where we're too fat or overcooked in terms of creative or strategy or design. All those decisions, I guess, came into my everyday conversations. And I think that, that, compounded by that I was reporting directly to the CEO was really fortunate. So James, I'm, I'm going to be forever grateful for, cause he was able to pluck me out. And then probably for the last five years, I've spent three or four times a day on the phone to the CEO of a business. You naturally just pick up lessons from not just the mistakes you make, but other people's, you know, what, what works well for them and mistakes they make. And I think just being a sponge for that has helped me, you know, grow faster than I would have if it didn't happen.
0: We're going into the more positive side of the road now. What is your advice to someone who's young, getting into advertising? Potentially, they want to get into experiential, maybe just advertising in general. What is your top yeah. favourite tips?
1: My, my favourite tip is um, be humble and have an incredible attitude. I think you get hired on your attitude when you're a junior. You don't <laughs> like, I think there is a lot of very similar... Resumes out there, and I and this is my personal piece, so I don't take this for it. But like, I don't really care what university you went to, I don't really care what degree you really did. I, if you have it, if you have a bit like the right attitude in advertising and in marketing, um, you can you're going to learn so much in your first two to three years in the industry as you come through your first, you know, even five years in the system. Like, your attitude is everything. Um, you want to be the person that. Your client wants to speak to three times a day you want to be the person that when she hits the fan your senior senior person turns to for help Um, you want to be the person that puts in the extra 15 minutes and people know that you're a solid operator in the team Um, and funnily enough that always that doesn't necessarily mean that your output is is the most creative or um, the you know the most beautiful design often that means that you've got the best attitude and you're just willing to put in the work Yeah. Um, yeah
0: you're one of the most passionate people i know about their job. Have you ever thought, fuck it, I want to go and do something else?
1: Um finally, like, no, is is a boring answer because it's the it's the answer you meant to say. I kind of stumbled through the the you know toilet cubicle to land in advertising. So I didn't really like plan to be here. Um I, I feel like that the thing that in my space in terms of events and experiential and shopper marketing as well Like, it's very real and it's very tangible. And I can't see myself getting into other industries that aren't that. It's something that's based in real face-to-face humans experiencing things. I think it's where I'm always going to be. And I I feel like even as the world gets more digital, that stuff gets more powerful. Um, And not to get into a sales pitch for traffic by any extent. But I I think I also just enjoy that human connection. I feel like that advertising is one way to um, be involved in creating experiences and connections. But I think there's some other things I'm interested in. But, you know, we'll see where where the path takes us.
0: Okay. I guess kind of wrapping it up now. Credit where credit's due. What is an agency that you think is really killing it right now or a campaign that you think is amazing that isn't traffic or claims?
1: And not because you work there, but the monkeys are doing an incredible job at the moment and have got a very enviable roster, particularly um, with said pandemic on that. There are some clients who are doing very well out of that. So I think um, that aside, there's also some great work coming out of uh, the monkeys. So I think they're doing a great job. And I think, um, and, and the work that I'm super impressed with, I'll, I'll throw a funny one in there. Uh, not a funny one, but a small piece of work that I think um, clearly we've just come out of COVID and there's been some amazing campaigns that have been related to that. But probably my favorite thing that's come out of the last like six months is that there was a band of craft brewers who um, had an issue that like all these small brewers and it's not an agency and it's not a, a big brand. But they um, had a problem where all their beer was being returned. Um, we do a lot of work in alcohol. Um, and, they had all, and it's one of those ideas where you're like, damn it, I wish that was our idea. Um, and they had all these kegs coming back with beer. And yeah. um, they had nothing to do with it. So they banded together and then canned that beer and then sold that beer as a slab, called it quarantinis for about, I think it was like $120 a slab. And I just sat there and put my head in my hands. like, God, I hate it when that happens, when there's okay. such a good idea that you've just missed. So... Um, yeah, we, did, we, didn't, we didn't do what we thought we would do immediately and come up with something called Um that got, that got knocked on the head pretty much straight away. But, um, yeah, that's, that's actually been my, the thing that is, yeah, I've, like, tipped the hat to that a couple of months ago and heard about that.
0: Good. Did you see the one where they've got Golden Retrievers delivering beer for an American brewer? Oh. I'll send that's it to awesome. you. That's no,
1: awesome. beautiful. See. Yeah, please do. Shock, shock me that you come up with the Doggo reference. <laughs>
0: nothing's changed (laughs) nothing's changed um i guess my last kind of question question is what's something that i should have asked you or is there anything that you want to plug with like books that you've really been inspired by podcasts anything around content-wise
1: um Oh, look, it's a bit of a self-indulgent question, Shah. so it's always a bit awkward. I'd love to hear the different answers you get to that question because I think there's a few ways you can take that that really pump up your own tyres, which I'll avoid doing. <laughs> um, I think the obvious thing is, like, you should ask me who's the best junior creative I've ever worked with because that would have to, you who? know, be reverse self-indulgent. <laughs> which, um, Miss Goodsir, um, oh. with, a, with a mention, uh, um, a sorry mention to Mitchie, who currently works with us in your former role. Um, not to dis- disgruntle him. <laughs> um... No, no, I think um, the book seems a good lead. I think there's some great books out there. And probably my advice to young people would be to not read the headlines, not read the like blink list version of it that gets ripped through it in 10 minutes, but to actually sit down and read, you know, how brands grow, um, read the long and the short of it. It's probably the most um, impactful book for marketing. Like read that. Um, What's the one we're reading at the moment? Thinking Fast and Slow slow. is a cracking book. That's Um, a little bit um, petrifying on maybe how little of control we have when it particularly gets to retail on what no. people buy. Um, but, yeah, my thing would be that even at my level, I feel like a lot of people have just skimmed the skimmed the chapter headings and then are just kind of parroting kind of, you know, what they've heard or what they've heard Ritson say in a speech. Um, my advice would be to read it and understand it and challenge it and form an opinion on it. Um, and even if that opinion's wrong, you are 10 steps ahead of the person next to you because I just don't know if even um, – yeah, even – at mid level or senior level, how many people have actually taken the time to read that and properly try and understand it? So mm-hmm. um, that would be what I would, yeah, that'd probably be the. I've kind of kind of undone my comment about giving advice <laughs> up top, but I think that would be a, um, a strong point to to drum home.
0: Well, that's all we have time for. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Jake Ford. Join us next week for another Lessons in Hindsight.